Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. Morning. All right. Good to be with you guys this morning. Uh, I really enjoyed worship this morning. Thank you, worship team. That was really, really awesome. Um, okay, so Molly and I, I'm just going to launch right in here. Molly and I, um, we added to our, we're, we're pretty like outdated with our cable TV situation. Uh, we, we actually have a dish that was just removed from our, our house because, uh, we, we got a new roof or whatever. So our kids have been clamoring for us to get updated. One of the things that we did is we added, uh, Disney Plus. Have you guys heard of Disney Plus, right? So the hottest show, by the way, there's a, a minor, minor spoiler alert here. Uh, but I'm not going to ruin the whole thing for you. But one of the hottest shows on Disney Plus at the moment is WandaVision. Have you guys heard of WandaVision? Right. Okay. So we uh, have been watching WandaVision, and um, so it's a Marvel Avengers movie, but it's like a sitcom, right? And so the two main characters of WandaVision are Wanda and Vision. That's right. That's right. Even if you don't know the show, so Wanda and Vision are the two main characters, and they're this married couple, and uh, they seem extraordinarily normal, with the exception of the fact that Wanda is some sort of like superhero, and Vision is a robot. Okay, but they look no, but but they're like super normal people, right? And so they have. So the 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 show is set in like. 50s, I Love Lucy sitcom style, and then it just kind of progresses or whatever. But they're just like this this nice suburban couple. They've got a couple of kids. They've got a dog. They've got a neighbor who likes to drop in on them. He has a prickly boss. They have friends that gossip and all the other stuff that sort of marks suburban Americana. But the interesting thing is, is that at first in the series, everything seems kind of nice. Everything's sort of normal. The issues that Wanda and Vision have are sort of cute and relatable and things like that. But as time goes by and as things evolve, you begin to see these real cracks in the foundation of their hearts and what is going on in the family. And things start to sort of take on this sort of like tension and almost like this sinister feel to it. And you start to see that something is up with this nice, comfortable suburban life that's going on. And pretty soon what you discover is, is that in spite of the fact that everything looks like nice suburban life, like what we're doing here in Palatine or the surrounding areas, um, what they're becoming increasingly aware of is that there's this whole other realm around them that is unseen. And what is happening in this realm that they can't see is actually impacting their life uh, in the physical. So they can't see this sort of tumultuous, something is happening out there, but that something, whatever it is, it seems to be encroaching on the life that they are living and the life that they are experiencing. And not only are they sort of like starting to feel whatever this unseen stuff is that's happening around them, but they're actually a part of it. And what they become, begin to realize is that there's an unseen battle 
that's happening somewhere where they don't they can't see with their physical eyes but there is a real battle happening and not only is there a battle happening but um, they're not innocent bystanders and they're not just observers to it but they are actually a part of this fight they're a part of this battle and if even if they wanted to avoid it that was never an option for them they were being pulled into it and i as i've been watching it i've come to believe that that wandavision is almost like a it's a it's a perfect picture of our life right here in palatine or in barrington or inverness or wherever it is that you live because we're living our relatively normal we're all just relatively normal not totally normal but we're living our relatively relatively normal American lives here uh, and everything seems okay on the outside but have you noticed in your life that sometimes it just feels like there are unseen influences that begin to impact the life that you're living whether you can see those things or not right you guys already know sort of the direction that I'm heading in but there are things that are that are happening that seem to influence us so let me just give you an example I mean I know that some of us have gone through seasons where it just seems like there's like one sickness after another after another or it hits us or it hits someone in our family and it just seems like we're getting hammered and we don't really understand why but it just seems like there's something happening maybe it's like something that's happening in your workplace and you try to do the very best job that you can you try to build bridges with your your boss or your coworkers or whatever and no matter what it is that you do it just never seems like it goes anywhere it seems like there's something that is pushing back against you in your workplace maybe it's just that there's an enmity in a particular relationship in your life and you've tried to sow peace you've tried to reconcile you've tried to pray you've done everything that you know how and yet no matter how hard you try no matter what you do none of those efforts go anywhere and it just seems like something is pushing against it I've heard some of you guys talk about trying to experience a greater level of connection with God, a greater level level of intimacy, and so you've endeavored to like, you know, start having regular devotional times, or you've tried to increase your prayer life, or you've tried to engage in worship more often, and yet every single time you come close to getting a breakthrough, something seems to subvert your your efforts. Something comes up each and every time. And, and so, you, you know, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I don't really, I'm not aware of what's happening until I kind of open my eyes and go, wait a minute, there's something else at work here. There is something sinister at work. Uh, and so Paul is, is very helpful to us. He actually reveals, he pulls the curtain back on this unseen realm. And I know that most of you guys know this, but we're going we're gonna to muck around in this today. And I hope to bring some revelation that's going to really, really help you as we sort of move forward forward in our endeavor to actually experience breakthrough, to actually experience a rebuilding in this year, to experience a refreshing in our lives. And so Paul says, hey, listen, if you think that, that nothing is happening around you, you're completely deceived. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, he writes this, for we do not wrestle, this wrestling that I'm talking about, whether it's wrestling with illness or wrestling with friends or wrestling in the workplace, whatever it is, he says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And those spiritual forces are directly impacting the life that you and I live today. Peter put it this way, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as if something strange were happening to you. 
And so Peter and Paul are saying, don't, don't be deceived. Don't think it's weird when you experience a pushback, when you experience warfare in your life as if that was like something weird or as if you've been doing something wrong. This is part and parcel of the normal Christian life. And so over the last six or eight weeks, we've been, we've been talking about rebuilding rebuilding our lives after a disastrous 2020 for some of us. And I want to tell you guys that that rebuilding work, if we've learned anything from Nehemiah, what we've learned is that even if God calls us to something, even if God promises something to us, You better believe that there's going to be a battle around it. Even if God promises and says, this is what I'm going to do in your life, we better believe that there will be a fight. Nehemiah had to build that wall with a spackling knife in one hand and a sword in the other hand. That's how that rebuilding took place. And the work that God wants to do in our lives, it will not go unchallenged. Do you realize that? Do you realize that the work that God wants to do in you this year, it will not go unchallenged. That is just a reality for each of us. And Satan, he doesn't just hate us because we bear God's image. We are the image bearers of God, but he doesn't just come against us. He doesn't just fight against us because we are image bearers of God, but he fights against us because our very lives Our purpose, our calling, our values, all of those things, they steal from his kingdom. Everything about us steals from the enemy. And so Jesus makes his declaration of war in John 10.10. I talk about it all the time. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said, but I came that you would have life and life abundant. That is a declaration of war. It is Jesus saying, this is the work of the enemy and this is my work. And those two kingdoms will clash. And so even as Jesus says, this is what I want for you. I want you to have abundant life. I came so that you could have abundant life. But even if that is something that he wants for us, it is also something that we are called to manifest for others. It is the life that we live. It is the ministry that we bring. Just by breathing the air, just by living our lives in whatever context it is that we live, we are a declaration of war against the enemy of God. And we come to bring abundant life. And the more that we do that, and the closer we get to that, the more there will be warfare around us. As followers of Jesus, we are light in dark places. We are hope in the midst of hopelessness. We are peace where there is fear. We offer grace when we're surrounded by bitterness and anger and hostility. All of us. And so for any one of us that would endeavor to mature, for any of us that would endeavor to grow, to to become more fully Christ, to become more like Jesus in our lives, for any of us that would want to do any of that and would press into it, I want to tell you that we will experience a significant level of warfare in our lives. And I want you guys to know that that's what we're working for, church. We're not working for warfare, but we are working towards growth. We are wanting to become more fully the people of Christ that we were created to be. We are wanting to leave the old behind and take on the new things that God has for us. We do not want to end 2021 in the way that we started it. And so as we endeavor to appropriate this rebuilding and this refreshing work that God wants to do in us, 
I want us to be able to expect a fight even as though, even though God has promised these things to us. Because just because God promises something doesn't mean it won't come without a fight, right? Israel discovered that when God took them out of, uh, uh, out of Egypt and brought them to the promised land. They were hoping that it would be just like laid out like a table with, you know, fine linen and all that stuff. Instead, what they got was a place that was already occupied and they discovered that they were going to have to contend for it. And so today, what I want to do with us is I want to I want to try to um, either remind you or give you a new skill um, that will be a key to you being able to um, move quickly and fully into the things that God is calling you to, okay? And so today, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about the voices that we listen to in our heads, we're going to talk about the voices that we listen to, and I'm not talking about being crazy, I'm not talking about being schizophrenic or anything, we'll, we'll kind of unpack that, but the voice that we hear between our ears, the voices that we listen to, will make the difference between being pulled back, being pulled into bondage, being pulled backwards in, in, in our life and the things that we want to, being stuck, or the difference, or it will be us being propelled, and us being launched into the stuff that God has for us. So, so I want to talk about three different voices that we hear, okay? So the first voice that we hear between our ears, these are really what you think of as your thoughts, right? The voice that you hear first uh, that we don't have to do a lot of explaining about is your own voice, your own thoughts, right? Your own inner dialogue. These are just the things that you think and they originate from you, right? So let's just clear that off the table. You have thoughts, I have thoughts. We good? Okay, okay, all right, good. Glad I don't have to explain that, but it gets more interesting from here. Uh, the Bible also teaches that God speaks, doesn't it? That God speaks, that he is a heavenly father and that he is a dynamic lover of us. And any father, fathers like to talk to their kids. And the more loving the father is, the more the father has to say to the children. And that means that God is a dynamic speaker into our lives. So at the very beginning, uh, in Genesis chapter 3, when he created us, it says this, and they heard the voice of the Lord God. They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, right? And so they hear God's voice. Hang on a second. I just like got myself mixed up on my pages here. Sorry, we got to wait for this. Oh, here we go. Okay. So he hears, they hear his voice walking in the cool of the garden. In John chapter 10, uh, starting at verse 3, Jesus writes this, or he says this, and now he's talking about the shepherd and the sheep, and he is the shepherd and we are the sheep. Okay, very good. We're on the same page. So it says this, to him, the gatekeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And when he has brought out all his, uh, all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. So Jesus said, you are my sheep and you know my voice. Finally in Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. And by the way, I'm only giving you three, but there are literally hundreds. It's an interesting word study to go back into your Bible and just look up the word voice in your Bible or to look up God speaking because he speaks constantly to us. But all the way at the end, we start at the beginning, we're now at the end, Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. 
It says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and I will eat with him and he with me. In other words, we will fellowship together if you hear my voice. And so God is speaking. But in addition to our own thoughts, in addition to God's speaking voice, speaking into our hearts, into our minds, into our spirits, there's one more voice. Who is the last speaker that I'm referring to? Anybody? The enemy, the devil, Satan, right? So Satan is also speaking to us. And so we have, uh, th- we have Satan speaking to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And he's talking to Eve and Eve says, we can eat of the fruit of all the trees in the garden except for this one. Because if we eat of that, we will surely die. And Satan says what to Eve? God said you can't eat of the trees, any of the trees of the garden. You're going to die. You're not going to die. You're going to truly live if you eat that. And so Satan is accusing God and he's deceiving Eve, right? Satan does the same thing with Jesus. He, you know, Jesus is led out to the desert and then Satan tries to tempt Jesus into worshiping him. That's what Satan does. Let me give you a couple of scriptures here. Revelation chapter 12 verse 9 reveals the work of of Satan, the enemy. It says this, and so by the way, he's called the great dragon here. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. By the way, that's what he does, right? The deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down, where? Where does it say? To the earth. He was thrown down to the earth. Where do we live? Okay, good. Just want to make sure we're on the same page here. Now, the salvation and the power... Oh, wait, I missed a part. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. So there's Satan and there are his angels. We call them demons. We call them powers and principalities. And they were thrown down to the earth with us. Revelation 12, verse 10. Now, the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ has come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. And so we, we see Satan, this great serpent, as an accuser, as a deceiver, and he accuses day and night. I'll give you one more. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. It says this. In their case, the God of this world, who is the God of this world? Satan, the enemy. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And so we see Satan at work speaking lies, speaking uh, accusations, deceiving, blinding people who God wants to, to you know, be welcomed into fellowship. And so all of those voices, we have our own speaking voice, our own thoughts. We have God's words spoken over us that we hear in our hearts and in our minds. And we have the voice of the enemy speaking into us as well. And I want you guys to know how these voices work. Okay, how do these inner voices work in us? Well, it all sounds like inner dialogue, right? It all sounds like inner dialogue, and all of the voices typically sound like your voice, right? So whatever your voice sounds like, that's what these voices will sound like, and they, they seem like our thoughts, even if they don't originate with us. And so this inner dialogue is happening, and what happens with this inner dialogue in these messages is that those messages that knock around in your head, they actually define 
life for you. They define everything that you experience. The, the, those voices and those messages that you speak will define your existence and your interaction with people. So I'll give you an example. And, and really what they do is they make meaning of your life. Okay, so for example, let's say you're uh, shopping at Target and you run into a couple, right? And you kind of know them, you know, semi-well, maybe not very well. You run into this couple and, uh, you know, the, the wife is like super chatty and the husband is, is, you know, a little bit more quiet or whatever. And then you go on your way. Well, after that encounter with them, you have this message in your head. You've made, you're making meaning of this event, of this connection with them. And the meaning that you make in this moment is you kind of say to yourself, uh, she's like so nice. She's so chatty, but he like didn't talk to me at all. I don't think he likes me. I think that I need to avoid that guy, right? If you do that, what have you just done? You've made meaning of that event. You've made meaning of that guy's quietness, right? Another in interpretation, another way that you could interpret that event is you could have that conversation with them and you could say, you know, she was like really, really chatty and so nice, but he seemed really quiet. I I wonder if like something's going on with him. I hope he's okay. I, I, I should pray for him because I, you know, something just seemed a little bit, he seemed concerned about something. It's felt like, like the cares of the world were weighing him down. I want to pray for him. We make meaning. Two different, com completely different scenarios, right? And so that's what we do with these messages in our heads. We interpret life with those. But what is really, really important for you guys to understand is we're not just interpreting things outside of us. Us, we're actually interpreting ourselves more. That's probably the bigger piece of this is that those messages that we hear in our heads, they don't just interpret our interactions with people, but they define us to us. And that's a really, really important thing. And so I'll give you another example. Let's say I'll give you two examples. Let's say for, for example, um, you have been praying, you, you got sick with something. Let's say you had COVID or uh, it could be cancer, it could be anything, but you've been praying for healing. Okay, and uh, you've prayed and prayed and you have not gotten healed of whatever this thing was yet. And so at that moment that you realize, you know, I've been praying and I haven't gotten healed of this thing. At that moment, you're going to make meaning of that event of praying and not getting healed. Okay, and so you could say to yourself, you have so little faith. Why would you ever expect that God was actually going to heal you? Where is God? I don't even know if he exists. And even if he did, he doesn't care enough about you to do this thing for you, especially with the faith that you have. Right? That is making meaning of that event. Here, let me give you another, uh, another example. Okay, let's say, uh, there's an area of your life that you've been working on. It's like a, it's a sin issue. It's a pattern in your life that you want to see a breakthrough in and you've been fighting a good fight, but you just happen to slip up again. You just happen to kind of mess up one more time. And so after this mess up, you, uh, you, you start to go, oh man, Kevin, you are such a loser. You are so, you are such a jerk. Why did you do that again? And then you start to think to yourself, man, did you ever think that you were going to get free of this? You will never get free of this. And by the way, don't even think that you can tell someone about what you've done because they will freak out. They will totally reject you if you tell them what's going on in your life. Okay, so those are the two events. Now, let me ask you, where are those voices coming from? This is the easy question. Where are those voices coming from? 
The enemy, right? Okay, that's the easy part. But how do you know that that was the enemy speaking? That's the important question. How do you know that that was Satan speaking to you? That's the harder harder question. And here's what I want to say to you guys. We will know where these messages come from based on Scripture. We will know where these messages come from based on the truth of Scripture. And those messages that we were hearing, they are what I would call completely anti-biblical. Now, I don't know if anti-biblical, is that a thing, Wayne? I don't know if that is. But they're anti-biblical in the sense of this. Not only do we not see any of that stuff in the way that we're interpreting ourselves and in the way that we're interpreting God, not only do we not see that in Scripture, but we actually see the polarized opposite of that in Scripture. So those messages that we were hearing, that we were speaking over ourselves, and it felt like just our voice, those are completely anti-biblical. They go completely against what scripture says. And so what we need to begin to do on a really, really regular basis with a lot of diligence, church, is we have to begin to test the thoughts that are kicking around in our head. We need to test these messages and we need to train ourselves very, very quickly to vet every thought that comes through our heads. Okay. And we're going to do that by looking at scripture. And so let's just take these two situations. I prayed and I didn't get healed and I messed up again with that sin issue that I've been fighting against and I feel like I'm a complete loser and that God is totally absent. And so what do we do? We say, okay, Kevin said I got to test everything from scripture. And so we whip open our Bible and we turn to Matthew 28 verse 20. And it says this, Jesus is talking and he says, surely I am with you, even to the very end of the age. Surely I am with you, even to the very end of the age. And we say, "What? but I just messed up. But I, I've been praying and I didn't get healed. And the Bible says, but surely I am with you, even to the very end of the age. And we go, okay, that's, that's really good. Okay, you're with me, even though I can't feel it, even though I can't see it, you're with me. And then we, then we move on and we go to Romans chapter 8, verse 31. And it says this, what shall we say then? In response to these things, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, uh, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God. He's also interceding for us right? He is at the right hand of God. He's also interceding for us. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? For it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And then he concludes this way. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. And in searching the scripture, we discover the truth about who God is. We discover the truth about who we are. We discover the truth about how he feels about us. And we discover who's doing the talking and who isn't. And that's incredibly important to all of us. And so when we pray for our healing and the healing doesn't come, we know 
He is with me and he will never leave me. He will be with me to the end of the age. And when we mess up and we feel overwhelmed with guilt and we feel overwhelmed with shame, we turn back to the scripture and we discover that we are absolutely just completely loved by God, cherished by God in that moment. And so we use scripture to test every message and to stand to decide what our foundation will be. And I want to talk for just a minute, just kind of a segue about condemnation versus conviction, because sometimes that gets a little bit murky for us. And I just want you guys to know that conviction, sometimes initially we can kind of feel the same way for about two seconds. Conviction is a feeling that we get. We feel bad about what we've done, right? We feel bad about the the, the mess up that we've made, but conviction makes us feel bad because we've missed the mark and it challenges it challenges us to become the people that we know we were created to be. Conviction challenges us to 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 become the person that we know that we are. We know that how God sees us and it liberates us actually from guilt and it liberates us from shame because it invites us to a place of greater freedom. It invites us to a place where we can have more hope than when we began. Conviction brings us closer to God because it tells us, yes, you did wrong, but you can and you will do better. Condemnation is totally different because condemnation tells us that we are wrong. Condemnation makes us feel that there is no hope. Rather than drawing us closer to God and closer to people, condemnation isolates us and it separates us from God. It causes us to hide and it causes us to feel overwhelming hopelessness and shame. And so it's it's critical for us to understand uh, whether we're feeling convicted about something or we're feeling condemned. And if we are feeling condemned, how do we how do we know if it's if this feeling is right or if this condemnation is okay? We go back to scripture, right? And in scripture, uh, we read in Romans chapter eight, verse one, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So when the enemy wants to condemn, when the enemy wants to heap shame on you, when the enemy wants to say, you can't tell people about this, you can't go to God, we go back to the enemy and we say, but there's no condemnation for me. There's no condemnation. I'm in Christ Jesus. That's the truth that I'm going to stand on. And that's what I want for us, church. I want us to, 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 to become a people that are so clear about the messages that are kicking around in our heads. And so uh, Paul would tell us, take every thought captive and make that thought obedient to Christ. We need to become amazing discerners of the messages that are kicking around in our head because one message will hold us back, one message will enslave us, and the other one will liberate us and will propel us into God's presence. And so what I want to do is I want to challenge you to be like the ruthless farmer. The ruthless farmer. I bet you have not heard of the ruthless farmer before, have you? Mm. You haven't heard of him because I just made him up. So the ruthless farmer, picture this guy. So he is a farmer, but he's an angry farmer. He's got like a grim look on his face. And the ruthless farmer only cares about one thing, and that is his crops. He only cares about a fruitful yield in his crops. That's all he cares about. And so if you help him get a a fruitful yield, you're great. But if you stand in the way of him having a fruitful yield in his crops, he will cut you down. Okay, that is the ruthless farmer. Okay, and so what he does is he will cultivate his crops. But what do you think happens if he finds a weed somewhere in his field? 
ruthless. He rips that thing out with no regret, no turning back, and he doesn't give it a second. He doesn't give it one chance to do anything. He is ruthless about ripping this thing out. And that's what I want us to be. I want us to be ruthless farmers who will ruthlessly and relentlessly rip out any weed that the devil, that the enemy would sow into our lives. So if you hear a message that doesn't resonate with the truth of scripture, the truth of who you are, the truth of the character of God or what he has spoken. I want you to ruthlessly and callously and coldly rip that out of your life and, and just throw it into the fire immediately to never be returned to again. That's how we have to approach our lives. We need to be ruthless about it. I was, uh, I was a part of a, a, a little men's group a number of years ago and we had, it was a great group, but we had one character who was a little bit of a salty guy and he would occasionally, his, his sense of humor could be just a little bit like cutting. And, uh, and, and so one, one day we were hanging out at, at, uh, Einstein's bagels and he just sort of casually said kind of a nasty thing to one of the guys in the group. Like the guy, I don't know if he had like messed up or something. And this guy said kind of a, just a, kind of a naughty thing to him. And as soon as the, the, the guy said that to this buddy of ours, the, the, my, my friend just looks at him and he goes, flush. And he just like, and he's just like, flush? I'm like, what? that's kind of weird. And he's like, I just flushed what you said right down the toilet. <laughs> I was like, wow, okay, that's, uh, that's definitive, right? But it was right. It was right. That's what we do. When the enemy accuses, when the enemy lies, when the enemy maligns our character, or particularly when the enemy maligns the character of God, we just look at him and we flush that message right down the toilet. That's what we do. And we have to do it ruthlessly and we have to do it quickly so the enemy knows that he has no fertile soil to plant his seeds in our lives. Because if he discovers that, he will start leaving us alone. Okay? And so I want us to see that just like that farmer, we want to start to cultivate the word of God. We want to start cultivating the truth about who we are. We want to be so protective of that. We want to be so nurturing to that. We want to talk about it and pray about it and memorize it and press it in and speak it over other people. But anytime we hear a message that doesn't line up with that, we got to get really, really angry and move that stuff out really, really quickly. So I'm going to start to wind down and I want to wind down um, by sharing with you what I believe is honestly like almost like a revelation that I that I had this week. Um, and it's it's I'm, it's going to take me time to unpack this. But I want to share with you this. The words that are spoken over you by God, the word that God speaks over you, the promise of, promises of God, the words of love and adoration, the words that he speaks over your identity, about how he sees you, about how he created, created you, about who you are, those words that God speaks over you, those words are spoken by the most creative power in the universe. And when something is declared by God, it is irrevocable and it is unstoppable. Nothing can stop the word that is spoken by God. As a matter of fact, how did God create everything that exists? How did he create it all? He spoke it. He spoke it into existence. He spoke it into being. He spoke into being the sun and the stars and the universe and the earth and all of the animals that teem on the earth and the fish that swim in the sea and the birds that fly in the air and you and I. He spoke it and it became into being. God speaks and he creates. 
That's what God does. And there is megatons of power in God's spoken word over you. And it's true of the scripture, and it's true when God speaks to us in our daily lives, because he's constantly speaking over you and I. And I want to challenge you guys to choose to believe that when God speaks a truth over you, when God speaks life over you, when God speaks a promise over you, he is actually creating that in you as you just receive that. Because when he speaks, he creates. When he speaks a promise or a truth, he is actually creating in that, that reality in you. And on the flip side, the voice of the enemy, when the enemy breathes his lies, Right? When the enemy speaks his lies to us, I want you to know that his tools are so weak. Don't think for a second that his voice has any power compared to God's power. He has none. As a matter of fact, the only power that the enemy has is the power that you give him. The only power that the enemy has is the power that we will give him as we agree with him. But if the enemy doesn't have our agreement, he doesn't have any power. He has lost his power. And so his lies and his threats and his accusations and his deceit is only as powerful as we give him that power. That's how weak he is. And so what happens if we decide, I will not cooperate with you anymore. I will not agree with you anymore in my life. What will the enemy do? Well, James says this, submit yourselves therefore, or then, to God. Resist the devil and he will, say it for me, flee from you. Resist the devil and he will, what? Flee from you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And so I'm asking you guys to make a decision about the voice that you hear in your head and who you will give your belief to, who you will trust, who you will believe in. I'm asking you to put your trust in Jesus alone. I want to encourage you to practice being an amazing discerner of the messages that you hear in your heads. Let's test every message or every message with the ruthlessness of our ruthless farmer. And if a message that we hear doesn't line up with the truth of God's character, if it doesn't line up with the truth of scripture, then we rip it out and we throw it immediately into the fire. But if there's a message that comes from God, if it's, if it doesn't, even if it doesn't feel like it's true, if it's in scripture, if it's true of the character of God, then we cling to that. We proclaim it. We walk in it. We chew in it. We meditate it and we speak it over each other. And this, guys, will begin to help us to accelerate into the building work that God wants to do in our lives. I want to cut those ties where the enemy's been pulling us back. So will you, Will you choose who you listen to with me today? Amen?